0: The date is Friday, September 10th, and you're listening to Entertain This, a thought-provoking podcast encapsulating all things entertainment. On this episode, we're examining another Disney-Pixar animated movie by the name of Wall E. It's a story about a robot with some very human emotions. Despite this coming out in 2008, it sounded the alarm for a crisis that we're still having a reckoning with today. So enjoy
1: Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to your favorite show on the internet, encapsulating all things entertainment. It's Entertain This.
2: Entertain This. Hello.
1: <laughs> oh, you got the demon out of you. That's so nice.
2: I know. It took a while. Now he's back yeah, to being a good Christian tickle. boy.
1: Yeah. A couple, a couple of exorcisms <laughs> later. Here we are. Uh, Ready. <laughs> I recently have been obsessing over uh, AM radio where people often get close to their mic and talk like this so i contemplated mm-hmm. doing oh, you a cold mean like open
2: pre-sm pre-asmr mm-hmm.
1: yes i i i uh, contemplated doing a cold open where i spoke slowly into my microphone npr style but i've decided mm-hmm. recently against it
2: so let's get right into the show it doesn't seem like you did it doesn't seem like you did, but let's go. this wasn't premeditated. I can tell.
0: <laughs> you guys give a lot of shit to NPR, but I'm not gonna have it.
1: Yeah, we know because you're an 80 year old man in yep. like a a twenty a 25 year old's body.
0: Seven. Twenty seven. Uh,
2: I'm old am i the, am known. i a baby boy is that what we're figuring out <laughs> we've been over this on the podcast i think three times now yes alex I you just, are the baby boy of this podcast i just forget that i'm the sweet little beautiful baby
1: boy the little <laughs> bouncing baby boy the little apple of your yeah. guys' eye on this show i just forget sometimes yeah, i know it's
2: a good thing we're remote from each other or else i'd be pinching your little cheeks right yeah. now my little baby <laughs> my little baby cheeks pinch.
1: A little beautiful yeah. 1997 branded baby cheeks. Yeah. <laughs> Last week we we did a Spider-Man debate that I think was fairly successful and is doing yeah. pretty popular in the polls right now, especially on Facebook for whatever reason. People are loving it. Um, So that that's fun.
2: Shout out Facebook.
1: Shout out to you, Facebook. Way to misinform an entire generation, but also thanks for our whole Spider-Man thing. We appreciate it. Um... <laughs>
2: Glad we can be a part of it, I guess. <laughs> glad, glad, to, glad to participate in it.
1: Um, but this week, we're, we're throwing it over to Nick, who's going to take us on a joyful ride that is sure to include a train or two. Um, Nick is so often uh, a bit uh, self-enclosed on his topics. We, we really don't know them until he starts talking, uh, and this week's no different. So, Nick, go ahead and blindside us. What are we talking about this week? <laughs>
0: blindside you um well I, you know i have to i have to do like this preamble thing where i get all dramatic about it but um i can just come right out and tell you if you want to you know nah we hatches. do this
1: we do this every time it's it's your week two you're like well i have this whole thing to bring it in if you will to, or i could just tell you and then i can now do your whole thing so go ahead and do your whole thing
0: <laughs> do the whole thing if okay. you'd like let's get into it so pixar has <laughs> been known to do this thing uh it's a thing that some might call a feels trip when you least expect it. Sure, on the surface, they make these colorful animated films for kids being the target audience, but hidden just beneath the pastel colors and well-written stories are some of the harder truths of life. So this movie we're talking about today is no different. Maybe it's beating a dead horse to point. Every film that we talk about is a piece of art, but art is one of those things that we all experience and we understand in this world of entertainment. It's something that makes you go, huh, it makes you think a little deeper about what you just saw. Average movies that you may put on in the background to provide a little background noise engage merely just one sense, your sense of hearing. A funny film that you might watch with your significant other may engage two senses, sight and sound. But the greatest movies of all times engage three senses, sight, sound, and thought. Thus, not being one of the usual five cardinal senses, but it's one that is necessary for me to categorize something as a great film. And the movie that we're talking about today is one of the greats in my book, and I'd like you to entertain this with me as we sail through time and space to talk about the Disney Pixar film Wall E. Hmm.
2: Starring Mark Wahlberg. Starring not Mark Wahlberg at all. <laughs>
1: that's that's Wahlberg E. I'm.
2: Yeah, I may be misinformed. I have never seen this movie. What? You've never seen WALL-E? Yeah. Mm-mm. And I thought I, I was know the little, a little baby boy, it. but you're <laughs> the little baby boy today, Michael. Well, Alex, I had grown out of Pixar movies by the time WALL-E came out. Hey, wow. uh, shut up. Also, no. Also. <laughs> yeah, that's fair.
1: <laughs> I don't know which of you guys brought Soul up, but one of you guys definitely talked about Soul before. And if it was Nick, it's because... He loves pixar but if it was michael it's because he's a liar and he does still watch pixar movies <laughs> but i think it was nick
0: <laughs> it was me it was a good film um this one came out a little earlier so so it came out what in 2020 so this one came out in 2008 which apparently by then mm. michael was already over the pixar thing man yeah,
1: yeah. in 2008 too
0: cool for pixar man yeah i was in eighth grade so figure out do the math michael was yeah, probably was the same 14 yeah anyways I, he was I, over I, it
1: I saw Toy Story three in theaters with my mom at the ripe age of sixteen, and I cried
2: <laughs> next yeah. to my mom. Yeah, no, I saw, I I I didn't see Toy Story three in theaters. I saw it while I was babysitting, uh, and I was sitting there babysitting a, a tiny little baby infant, and I was sitting there holding them, crying. <laughs> mm. It was very weird. That, it was a very weird. kind of strange. Situation. Why would you put on a
0: movie with yeah. the with the baby? It's not gonna, it's not gonna watch the movie
2: right? No, it knew what was going on. <laughs> it was sitting there like, oh. Very yeah, yeah. yeah, good yeah, social yeah. commentary. The baby turned its head to me, looked at me and said, there's a snake in my boot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> so that's something I'm going to have to live with.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's very disconcerting. <laughs> you started out to infinity and then it said, and <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Toy Story is another great Pixar film. It was the, like one of the first CGI films that they even created back in the 90s. If you can believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it has an well, age for you, you watch
2: it and you see, I know you watch it and you see the dog and you're immediately like, "Oh." <laughs> <laughs> this wasn't made with modern film
0: techniques. Uh no. So we fast forward a little bit beyond the the late 90s with the the Toy Story film starring Tim Allen as Buzz Lightyear of all people. I would assume that if you're listening to this episode, you've at least, you know, caught a glimpse of the film here and there. You watched at least five minutes of it. Um, but if you haven't watched it, that's OK, because I got some spark notes of the plot coming up. But I think we've already <laughs> Michael's pointing to himself. Yep. <laughs> I will ask uh, in no particular order. What do you know off the top of your head about this film, Alex?
1: You want me to you shouldn't have Michael go first because I'm going to know more.
0: <laughs> okay michael you go first
2: <laughs> okay i know it's got like a little like uh toaster oven that can talk uh <laughs> there's blanket oven. oh no i'm thinking of the brave um, <laughs> hmm. very similar movies um no it's i i know wally's like a little block robot thing and he meets like a like a, a living apple product <laughs> um <laughs> And they go to space together to go save the the fat humans. Uh, that's about all I know.
0: That's pretty much it. You know it. Okay. <laughs> cool. You
2: you got anything? To yeah. Add? So this <laughs> <laughs> you're telling me there's more? No. <laughs>
0: We're gonna do an hour episode on it. Of course, there's not more.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um. So what I know about Wally, uh, this kind of came. I mean, global warming has kind of been an issue since like forever like we've always kind of known about it like there are episodes from season one of SNL which happened in the 70s where they were like talking about global warming and how it's a very real thing and like making jokes about people who don't believe in it um but around the time of WALL-E it was kind of the introduction of the uh potential danger of global warming and pollution and all that on our people um and WALL-E kind of stood as a uh, light-hearted warning about what was to come if we couldn't save our planet. Uh, the general idea of the movie is that there's this company called By and Large, which is pretty famous <laughs> in the Pixar universe. It can be found in almost all the movies. It's one of those Easter eggs is that, that so? can just... Yeah, they can just be found. Uh, even in Cars, By and Large is a sponsor of one of the uh, cars. In Cars. <laughs> That's pretty um, cool. It's, I think WALL-E was actually the uh, movie that set up the um, Pixar cinematic universe theory where all the movies are connected which would also be a great mm. episode of the podcast um, but I think that the like first hint came in Wally e when they started talking about by and large mm-hmm. um, but the idea is that this by and large company had produced so much waste that we basically destroyed our planet and our planet was no longer uh, capable of supporting life yes. and at the time they had invented all of these robots that could help with like cleanup and doing all these menial tasks one of them Mm -hmm. including a wally robot which their only job was to um create these sort of trash compacted cubes for Mm -hmm. easy uh disposal but also to kind of clean up the planet from what we understand all of the wally robots have since been either destroyed or broken and no longer exist and we're left with only Mm -hmm one Wally robot which is of course Wally, e um, who still continues uh, never ending attempts of cleaning the planet on his lonesome the little robot that could creating these giant uh, mounds of these trash cubes until one day uh, he and his cockroach friend because Wally is a Disney princess <laughs> with an animal companion um he, theory. they um- <laughs> They happen upon a plant. Um, And this plant is proof that there can be life on Earth. So Wally doesn't understand that. He's just like, oh, something cool. And Wally's also kind of a hoarder. So when he finds cool stuff, he keeps it. Mm -hmm, So he puts he puts um, the plant into a shoe and takes it to his sort of space dump truck that he's living in. That's become Wally's kind of apartment. (laughs) And um, the plot continues from there. But the basic idea is Wally e is a movie about the harm of pollution and global warming and the effects of humans on our planet. Um, but it's also a story about uh, redemption and the importance of connection. Because wall is okay. all alone and that loneliness is sort of one of the driving forces of the plot.
0: Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, I'd say that's yeah. it's valid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it kind of concludes with a bit of a love story in the end. But to summarize what this episode will be about, I'm gonna I'm gonna deep dive into the plot of this film. Then we're gonna talk down, about a little symbolism. Down the rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, that's how I do my research. Is like it's a rabbit hole, and then you you do another rabbit hole, and eventually you. You crank out that, a, a no, script, that's, but that's...
1: that's how you tie your shoe.
0: Oh, okay. The bunny ear. We call it a bunny guys, ear when we, I was growing
1: up. Is, is our show good, or is our show bad? <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> this is <good>. I mean... <laughs> so... <clears throat> I mean... This is me previewing the episode. Um, after the plot, we're going to talk about some symbolism, then we're going to talk about some design features, and we're going to go back in time to 2008. And then we're gonna go forward in time with this film setting, and we're gonna wrap it all up in a nice little bow with the power of love. So you
2: guys ready for this?
1: That's the power of a question.
2: <laughs> Nick, I've got a question. What? Why why are you phrasing this episode as if it is like a business presentation? <laughs> so, guys, let me just leverage some <laughs> some words
0: here. Uh, can can everyone see my screen real quick? Can, uh yeah sure okay okay great um
1: hi this is alex from the entertainment podcast i'm one of the hosts i just want to tell you that i don't like this bit um (laughs) we're gonna move through it Uh, i'm not gonna stop anybody but i I just want you to know that this this bit's not my favorite bit that we've done (laughs) let's keep going let's keep going going with the bit anyway you had a powerpoint presentation was the bit i think
0: Mm-hmm. Alex is no longer with the company um <laughs> 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 okay let's get to the plot so we to to start with the beginning of this movie um I have to set the stage a little bit before we can go into the meat and potatoes of the discussion right off the bat the very first few seconds of the film The camera pans over this picturesque scene of a river in a very dark blue kind of color palette. The camera then soars over a castle of some sort. Some fireworks go off and the script text appears spelling out the word Disney. A show tune then plays Put On Your Sunday Clothes from Hello Dolly. The camera pans to a very different earth from ours. There's mountains of garbage as tall as skyscrapers and the music kind of fades to nothing. And then a reprise in the form of our boy Wally jamming out as he goes about his job. Cause he has like a cassette player built into his body, which is kind of strange for a futuristic robot. But anyways, he's um, like star Lord. <laughs> he really kind of is when you think about it. <laughs> but fun fact about the, the Wally thing, he actually has a name. It has like an acronym or a backronym. If you want to think about it like that, it's a waste allocation load lifter earth class, So wall E, I don't know. Um, I thought it was kind of cool, but it's, hey, it's, pretty it's, cool. A very, it's a very, it's a pretty cool. It's this very bleak planet. It's, it's very Brown, very muted kind of color palette. Uh, this is, the, this is the new Earth that you see. Everything seems to be like this washed-out brown. It's kind of reminiscent of uh, Fallout 3 <laughs> in a strange way, also which came out in 2008. A little coincidence there, I guess, but um, above anything else, it's abundantly evident that this is our planet, and there's something wrong with it. Definitely wrong. Um, everything you look around is owned by this corporation, like we mentioned before, by and large. Or B and L, as they've been branded, um, but it's it's really not meant to be effectively of any any real world corporation or anything like that. It's just it's just giant mega corporation. We all know the bit at this point, like they own everything, um, like a certain other company that uh, does internet services. Um, could be, couldn't be Amazon.
1: You know, Fuck you, Jeff Bezos. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I didn't want to say it.
2: <laughs> um. It's okay. We can say it now. Oh, we can say it now. Pretty right. sure we're so. allowed to say it.
1: I don't know how much a slander case will get, but
2: it's honestly, all press is well, good press. Bring can, it on. You can, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like saying like "fuck you, Jeff Bezos." That's not slander. Slander would be like saying like Jeff Bezos likes, and I don't know. I, I heard he likes chocolate, but but it's but that's it's not, not slander. <laughs>
1: this <Yeah>. is slander. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> please don't sue us we're very nice people um, but this, this film is showing that um, it's, it's at this end it's an era of humanity where we're trying to dig ourselves out of this hole that we've created for ourselves but uh, we're really trying but simultaneously also making it worse by blasting the trash into space uh, and then people are going into that space outer space if you will and it was meant to be a temporary fix but going away on a cruise while they tried to fix the mess on Earth wasn't all that effective. Then we pan, of course, we cut to Wally's home. Like you said before, Alex, it's uh, it's kind of like this tank type of vehicle. It's one single room. It's kind of small. Um, and he's he's hoarding all kind of stuff. He's got all these relics of humanity. This the weirdest shit ever. The sporks. He has a spork and he's trying to decide which. <laughs> it's like it's not a fork. It's not a spoon. What is it? If it goes uh, in a spoon so or, or fork drawer. <laughs> he put yeah he has like a, a couple of forks and a cup of spoons and puts it in the middle because that's where the sport belongs after all but he's collecting all kinds of stuff and then one day he discovers this green plant and he's like hmm haven't seen one of these before yeah he keeps it in a boot and it kind of gives this new meaning to the word word uh carbon footprint right because it's a now nah, we'll just skip mm. over that anyways <laughs> he's i pretty did lonely. not
1: understand that joke will you explain it to me like i'm five
0: Okay, so the plants are made out of carbon. We know this, right? Okay, it's but in it's a in a boot, so it's, so ca- it's a oh, carbon. Po- yeah,
2: I
1: could have probably really figured that. that one out, but yeah, it's not funny. thank you. No, it's, not it's funny good. When you
0: explain it. Okay, no, it's good. Um, moving on. <laughs> but this this poor robot's kind of lonely, and he's made himself a cockroach friend. Uh, but those it's, it's cockroaches can really survive anything. Here's Earth, devoid of life, and then so. Cockroach is bouncing around like, hey, guys, what's going on? He's adorable. Um, i die really for is. him. <laughs> then you have uh, the Apple product that Michael referenced, which is called Eve. Mm-hmm. Um, mm, which is like biblical. This... Oh, we'll get to that. If we can get um, <laughs> into that, yeah. <laughs> Wally we... is uh, stricken, as you are with any Apple product, right, guys? When you see a <laughs> see your shiny new MacBook Pro, you're like, ooh.
2: I love that. Ooh, that M1 chip. Ooh, yeah. Oh. It's got NVIDIA. The touch box. bar. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> New butterfly switch keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh. Nerd <Butterfly> talk. switches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have an Android phone. I'm not proud of it. Uh. But then we have this scene, like,
2: (laughs) while we were showing... You shouldn't be proud of the phone you own. (laughs) I'm not. (laughs) Honestly, if
1: I had one of those neat little new uh, interesting screens that, like, fold in half, and then, like, you can unfold them, and those are so neat. Like, those are tempting me away from the iPhone. If the iPhone 13 would have had a folding screen, I would have been, like, ecstatic, but it doesn't. (laughs) It would
0: have been
2: game
1: over. So, So now I'm kind of, like, thinking about moving to that product.
2: My only thing is that I know that I'd like immediately go back to like flip phone, like tendencies, and I'd be like, Wok! and the entire screen would just snap <laughs> off.
1: <laughs> True. Very fair, Michael.
0: But you, you can remember that moment in 2007, I guess, when the, the iPod, iPod touch and the iPhone came out. Like they were sleek. Oh, yeah. Local, right? yeah. You had this big blocky oh, chunk yeah. of like Nokia or something. And then all of a sudden this aluminum encased screen comes out and you're like, ooh. Ooh. yeah so i remember I, it
2: it was definitely an upgrade from my uh sony Ericsson slide phone because <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't allowed to have any more flip phones because i broke too many
0: <laughs> i found the slide phones easier to break but uh anyways uh so eve eventually does find the plant that wally's been keeping right and mm-hmm. she's like oh oh shit i gotta keep this so takes the plant with her tractor beam puts it inside of herself because she's a uh, um, she has like a, a fridge in there or something. Um, and then she goes into stasis cause that's what the robot is supposed to do. They, they find the plant, they keep the plant and then shut down. So that kind of concludes mm-hmm. the, uh, what I'm calling the earth portion of this film. Uh, so now I've got some questions for you. Uh, it's, it's evidence, evidence throughout this film that earth is devoid of human life. Or any life in general, except for cockroaches and plants, apparently. But it leads to the question of what exactly happened. So I'll ask you what do you think the circumstances are that led to our beautiful planet becoming totally and completely abandoned?
1: From what I understood, it was that uh, the by and large corporation had opened up like some new mega stores or something that had like increased the use of all of their products and like the sale of all of their products and because of that more people were consuming and more people were littering or at least more garbage was being made more waste um and it just kind of overtook the planet from what Mm -hmm. I understand
0: yeah basically Alex hit the nail on the head so it's it's the garbage we we don't know what to do with our garbage landfills are getting filled up um you actually been to a landfill it's pretty cool that's like this giant mountain of stuff
1: it's not cool actually it's It's the least cool thing I think I've ever seen
0: it's not pollution because we're putting it in a a place that's not
2: our backyard it's not
1: pollution because we're burying it (laughs) in (laughs) it
2: What if we take all of our trash and, and we put it somewhere else? <laughs> outside, outside, out of
1: mind, it's not like fucking, it's not like these giant trash places just keep catching on fire. Yeah.
2: It's like they just <laughs> That's keep something burning the world. It's not like we got trash islands out in the middle of the ocean. Or it's something. not like there's yeah.
1: trash islands the size of Manhattan out in the ocean. It's not like that at all.
0: but there is (laughs) but anyways yeah yeah so this is set like i don't know in a distant future i think it's 2077 ish when humanity we just run out of place to put our trash it. It, it we're just out of places to put it you know uh landfills are filling up we have to start stacking it we have to start building these robots that make it into cubes and stacking it as high as skyscrapers so um yeah, that's probably what happened. I think it's also climate change too. People they don't say it in the movie because it's it was controversial back then, and apparently it still is now. Um, but what what kind of inspired me to talk about this film in the first place was that report that said um, we're kind of screwed because <laughs> there's too many mm-hmm. there's too many CO two emissions going on, and um, we're kind of approaching the point of no return where it's going to become a snowball effect and you know cause uh, pain and devastation for. For many many years but uh yeah. that's kind of a sad note so let's move on to the <laughs> we can agree this that is robots- a
1: sad topic this kind of this is. was made in so this movie was made in 2008 to kind of be that hey guys we need to change our ways message yeah and mm-hmm. we ignored it so this doesn't have a happy ending like it did in 2008 where Mm-mm. it was like hopeful because that movie was supposed to inspire the next generation to do better, which we have tried, but unfortunately, one generation can't fix generations and generations and generations of neglect.
0: Hey, we um, didn't start the fire, right?
1: Unfortunately, no. Um, it, it in the most literal sense, has always been burning since the world's been turning. True. And it is terrifying. So so the, the rationale that this is going to end on a happy note at all is cosmically incorrect.
0: The movie does end on a happy-ish note, because uh, huge spoilers here. Let's sound the spoiler alarm for all the people that haven't watched it, but...
1: If we're going to get to the ending anyway later in the episode, we can just hold out. Okay. Okay. Right? Yeah, we, no we, no we, need to repeat ourselves.
0: The film... Uh, and. This is a widely known fact, but robots are built for a very particular purpose, whether that's uh, taking our trash out or um, mm-hmm. being dogs and killing people with the dogs. Uh, they have a purpose. They have programming. They have stuff that they're meant to do. What was that the second one that you said? The, the little uh, Boston Dynamics dog. You know that? Mm-hmm. You've seen that. Michael's seen yes, it. Yes. Yes.
2: Okay. So Just I a-
1: didn't realize that that's what you were referencing, I guess. <laughs>
2: Yeah, they've got like the dancing robots, and
1: except now they're using them as canine well, units.
2: Yep, it's kind of scary, um, <laughs> especially cool. when you couple that with
0: artificial intelligence. But cool, cool, anyways, cool. Anyways, cool, the cool, the cool, robot's cool, cool, sole purpose cool, 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 cool. is in contrast to the humans in this film, who really don't have purpose. Uh, but if we could create robots to do everything for us, what would there be left to do?
1: Exercise and eat right. No. Oh. <laughs> this is,
0: okay. this is a, a corporation that owns everything on a cruise ship. You think they're going to exercise you and feed you well? Yes. That's not profitable at all. They're going to feed you uh, cupcakes in a cup, liquefied, I assume, and they're going to give you these chairs that hover around <laughs> so hmm. you don't have to move a muscle from the time you wake up in the morning to the time you go to bed. You just sit in the chair...
1: It, that's not profitable either because if nobody's working then there's no economic flow ah, but they're
0: consuming
1: yeah but con- consumption is just consumption if there's no profit to it which isn't like well, me defending that- capitalism but like at least like if somebody's trying to sell a product it's because they're trying to move the flow of currency if there's no flow of currency then what's the point of forcing consumption
2: does that make sense? No, there's still there still would be a flow of currency because there's still one person at the top who owns all the robots. <laughs> there's one CEO at the top pulling all the I guess crazy. I'm just
1: <laughs> asking because I've never actually considered, I never questioned Wally, but if they've all been on this cruise ship and the robots are doing all of the jobs, then cruise nobody Starship. on the cruise yeah. ship has a job so nobody's working so nobody's earning a wage but they're still all consuming so you'd reckon they're still all buying but they're not buying because well, no one has money
2: you don't have to you don't have to spend money to consume something if everyone's working equally or not eat like or not working at all i guess you I'm, don't have to pay anyone okay you're so right
1: that that's what i'm getting at so there isn't assume, like
0: yeah. assume that there is uh assume they paid for a ticket on, on board the ship and it's all inclusive Ooh, all inclusive. Yeah, yeah. that's probably all how they inclusive
1: it. for the next probably. 800 years. Because they're <laughs> they're off this in Wally, they're off Earth for like oh, yeah.
0: 200, 700
1: 300, 700 years. Yep. So that's one hell of a ticket. Because it's like you and anything that <laughs> yeah. comes out of you will have unlimited food for as long as we're in space.
0: <laughs> so here's the thing right? it was only supposed to be five years. It was only supposed to be five years. The captain gets on the radio at one point and says, this is our 700th anniversary of our five-year cruise. Oh my God. (laughs) They wanted to clean up earth within five years, but they didn't get to it because apparently they didn't build enough robots or something like that. But that's all revealed in the film because the CEO is like, hey guys, um, you remember that part about how we're going to come back? Uh, (laughs) we can't, (laughs) so forget about it.
1: (laughs) That's what the CEO of by and large says, right? yeah he's like we're not coming back to earth
0: nope not coming back
1: so was the plan to clean up earth i'm yeah it's been so long since i've watched wally and from what i remember the only person like the only thing on earth is wally yep like there isn't multiple Wallies. there's just one wally yes and that's it I don't yep. remember if it like shows the other Wally is helping Wally at what whatever point and then just like breaking or anything, nope. but has it only ever been Wally on the Earth?
0: Mm-hmm. That was actually like one of the the premises of the film is that what if human? It started off all back in like 1994 when the creators of Pixar, I guess, had a lunch meeting, mm-hmm. and one of them asked, "What if humanity left Earth but forgot to turn off the last robot?" That's like the question that made this film in the first place. Mm, it's just this oh. one little robot on earth and he's like, where is everyone? It's so like, he was out.
1: like, he was like the trash robot Yeah, and then they forgot to turn him off. Yep. So he's just been for the last 700 years cleaning up trash. Yep. That's, wow. that's crazy.
0: He's Doing his job. I think that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's admirable. Yeah, you're right. Anyways, uh, that was a, just a little robot guy, I guess. Doing I his like job. the
1: origin story. That That's an interesting tidbit.
0: Yeah. So um, let me ask the, the thousand pound gorilla question in the room, too. Uh, do we think that the name Eve has any sort of significance?
1: I mean, when we meet Eve, it's at a point in the story where we don't know there are humans. Um, right so it is sort of an Adam and Eve comparison uh, especially at first because like you could argue that this decrepit earth with no humans is a a garden of Eden for Wally he is free to explore he's free to do his job that he likes he's by himself but just as Adam in the garden was by himself and became lonely um, so did uh, Wally and then mm-hmm. we see Eve Sort of almost biblically brought down from heaven to accompany him, <laughs> literally, and 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 they have a sort of romance that that happens on the planet as while he's showing her all of this stuff, and she's like her her job is to scan for life. That's what yes. Eve does. She's supposed to go to Earth and see if there's any form of life being supported on Earth, kind of like how we're doing with Mars right now and if there is she's supposed to report back so that the humans know hey earth can sustain life again we should go back yes um however she doesn't find any so she ends up just hanging out with Wally because there's nothing else for her to do until she's eventually called back to the ship and Wally's showing her all of this stuff and it's kind of like them playing in the garden of eden adam and eve um and he's like look at this look at that look at this and then i guess if there's really a biblical comparison to it the plant would be the apple where it's like he shows her the plant and she takes the plant and then from that point on (laughs) wally is forced out of this safety that he's found and thrusted into thrusted into this new adventure of like going to places he doesn't know about and getting out of his comfort zone and uh put into a lot of danger actually um throughout the rest of the movie so yeah i would say that eve is a pretty uh symbolic name just of the story up until this point
0: yeah and there's a there's a background of course for eve um i didn't write it down and i forgot it so <laughs> it's, it's lost to history but yeah that's pretty much you hit the nail earth on the head vegetation
1: examiner
0: sure <laughs> they made it up uh. so can we <laughs> But yeah, it's, it's, it's Eve, Adam and Eve on the Bible. uh, the, the story in Genesis is that God looks down at earth and he sees Adam's kind of lonely. He just created this human. And, uh, so he's like, well, I'll give him a companion. And of course it's Eve, but, um, whether or not that's true, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> there's, uh, there's also the connection to Noah's Ark, believe it or not. We were just discussing that off the air before we went live, but, um, yeah. Think about the entire planet experiencing a flood, but not of water this time, of garbage. Mm. And the people have fled in these massive sailing ships across the stars to preserve what's left of themselves. Um, that's minus the animals part, because it's, it's assumed that they're all dead at this point, and there's only humans out there in the stars. So, um, mm. yeah, kind of a biblical film, <laughs> if you want to think about it like that. But. So let's let's go into space now. We're going to discuss the space portion of the of the film of the movie, um, and it's right off right after uh, Eve has discovered the plant, and then, you know, she signals for a return ship of some sort. Uh, the rocket comes back down from the clouds, and there's this incredibly mechanically complex thing that comes out of it, and picks her up, puts her in the rocket. Um, I don't think they needed that. They probably just could have hovered in there, but that's beside the point. Wally hitches a ride on the ship and he goes back to this this thing called the axiom, which ding, ding, ding is yet another word of symbolism. An axiom is a statement or proposition which is regarded as being established, accepted, or self-evidently true. Now, in modern discourse, there seems to be fewer and fewer of these, but an example of this would be, the sky is blue, or if you're doing mathematics or philosophical reasoning, an axiom is something that serves as a premise or a starting point for further reasoning or arguments. So, that's kind of interesting. It's the premise or starting point for uh, this film to make its argument or state its case. Alternatively, the axiom is the thing that will take all the passengers for granted. Because they're, they're just on the ship. There's like, this is where I've been raised. This is how it's always going to be. I'm always going to be on the ship. So maybe that's an axiom to the passengers. I don't know. Um, anyways, you get to the ship and there's these robots everywhere, these really fat people in hover chairs with screens in front of their faces. It seems like a pretty normal cruise ship to me, not that I've ever been on one, but you get a tour via the path that a stretcher containing Eve makes its way past the ship's scenery. And it seems fitting that everyone and everything sails along the floor on paths that are predetermined. And just like that, we're going to skirt past a free will argument. <laughs> so eventually, since Eve found life on Earth, she and Wally make her way up to the bridge. Um, that's nautical not, not, not cool terminology for the driver's room, of course. Um, you see the progression of captains throughout the years, and they get fatter and fatter. Um, the current captain took the helm in the year 2775 2775. So we know this film takes place several hundred years in the future. But in the captain's morning announcements he states that there's been uh like I said before the 700th year anniversary of a 5 year cruise. So that's that's kind of a major oof, but alas the passengers don't even care, they don't even listen. The captain gets a special pre-recorded briefing from a Live Action "Quote unquote global CEO of By and Large, who is shown kind of like a president in this weird kind of world that we've started for ourselves. It's he's got like the 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 CEO of the president behind him. He's got two flags behind him. He's on this podium that's shaped an awful like lot like the president's blue briefing room or whatever it's called. But um, kind of makes you wonder things uh, going on if this company has taken over the world. Uh, but anyways, it's it's time for Operation Recolonize." Uh, the, the CEO goes into all this stuff about bone loss and microgravity degrading the human body, which it does. Uh, they find a a plant, right? They found this plant. Earth is habitable again, right? Oh boy. Oh boy. Let's celebrate. But there's no plant in Eve. So they're like, oh, it's a false flag. They just sent her back to, um, to diagnostics and see, uh, what, what exactly went on. So there's some tomfoolery going on here because we, we all saw the plant going inside Eve and she's taking it up to the ship. That's that's where we last saw her. And then it's not there all of a sudden. So you're like, hmm, what what, what happened here? Um, The captain then learns the, about everything on Earth. He, he has a computer in front of him and it's kind of like um, Alexa, where he's like, okay, computer, I want to know what dirt is like. And then he's like, <laughs> okay, okay, what's a farm? What's a farm? What do they do at farms? And then... All these pictures come up, and it's it's really kind of a an endearing scene um, in this bleak, bleak film. But
2: <laughs> what's a cloud? Yeah, he actually has said
0: <laughs> well, it's water vapor in the sky. <laughs> Anyways, uh, the captain uh, has this like rediscovering of Earth because he's seven hundred years out. We find out that the autopilot stole the plant and attempts to destroy it by throwing it down a trash chute and putting it into an escape pod. Um, So Eve escapes diagnostics. There's a scene where Wally takes Eve's uh, arm gun and shoots a hole in the wall, releasing all these crazy robots that are in diagnostics for a reason, mind you. But uh, eventually they make it up to the captain and present the plant directly to him. And Eve's comes to this epiphany that Wally actually loves her. These two robots have found love in space. Eventually, they learn that the override directive A-113, which is yet another Pixar bit, like by and large, mind you, but, uh, they, they just say the captain, uh, the CEO gets on the the horn and he's like, Hey, uh, we're going to have to cancel the whole recolonization thing. We can't clean up the garbage well enough. So, uh, just stay in space. He says, stay the course. Um, <laughs> it's like, well, how long are we going to stay in space? What the hell? Uh, the year is 2,110 when this, uh, transmission arrives on the ship. Uh, Basically, they can't do nothing, and that's really all anyone does. And there's this quote from the captain when he learns all this, like, oh, we're just going to stay in space forever? He says, I don't want to survive. I want to live. Because right now, they're in space. They're being preserved. They're getting all their food. Yeah, they're surviving, but can you make the argument that they're really living in the first place? I don't think so. So eventually, the robots and uh, autopilot stage a mutiny aboard the bridge of the ship, leading to this scene where Eve and Wally are in the ship's garbage bay. uh, Because, of course, we are across the stars, heaving junk into the abyss of space everywhere we go. It's like some kind of uh, flower flower girl in a wedding, just tossing all this garbage out the back of their limo or whatever. But um, Wally is nearly dead because Otto tases him for all intents and purposes. And the captain and the uh, autopilot have this altercation of sorts where... He's trying to press the return to earth button and trying to wrestle away auto and, uh, and all this, it's kind of, it's televised on all these screens that are, um, in front of the, the, the ship's passengers. Uh, there's a scene where Wally sacrifices himself to keep the plant tube thingy open. And they eventually, after some struggle, they successfully hyper jump back to earth. Axiom is... Landing, it comes down from the sky. It is huge compared to the skyscrapers. It towers over them. The mountains of garbage, everything. It's a massive ship. Um, And because while he nearly died, he's forgotten everything. He he pretty much dies, and they have to replace his motherboard, which, as we know, is the brains of the computer. Um, and Eve is almost given up on him when there's this scene where Eve leans in, is like, "Don't don't you remember me?" Like she communicates that obviously without words, but. <laughs> Um, there's this spark that comes off her head and zaps Wally, and then he's like, "Oh!" He comes to and he's like, "Oh, I remember everything now." So that's that's like a little uh, plot moment in the in the in the film there. But um, so the camera zooms out. They they share the spark of love. The ship has landed. The people are coming out. The camera zooms out to show these mountains of garbage, but now they're covered with these small green plants. Ooh. So that's that's how the film ends. We're at the end of it. The humanity has successfully recolonized Earth after all these years. So we did it.
2: Wow.
0: Yeah, that's the plot. Look at us go. So now you don't we have to watch it. the film.
2: Guys, <laughs> but you should. Global warming's over. We did it. Okay.
0: So now let me ask um, why were the humans on board the Axiom left in the dark about the real situation on Earth? Why do you think that benefited anyone? Money. <laughs> <laughs> that's maybe a softball question but yeah i mean it's the corporations that are like hey man just stay in the dark about this we got it we got it covered yeah
1: it's not even that it's um we see this we a lot this is a hot take this is a hot take Uh-oh. uh but but corporations especially when it comes to like let's just say big oil and not point any actual fingers um when we bring up problems like global warming and emissions and all of that uh, it's bad for business is mm-hmm. what it is it's bad uh-huh. for bad for business we we want to stop buying the stuff that's hurting our planet cuz it's the easiest way to fix it so there is a there've been billions and billions of dollars that have been billions dumped into into uh Schmear campaigns and different media outlets to basically be like global warming's not real you shouldn't believe in it global warming's a hoax global warming doesn't actually exist global warming isn't real don't worry about it it's not actually happening there's no proof to it so much so that it has become a um there's a there's a term used in sort of i, I think it's geopolitical discussions called um us versus them mentality, which is people who have no reason to take personal uh, recognition in this side they support in an argument to the point where even if they're wrong, it's such a personal attack at this point that they will defend it to no end with no evidence. Mm -hmm. um and global warming has become one of those things where it's like well i don't believe in global warming because this that the other and it's i i buy into the super overlords trying to sell me oil so much so that i don't care if it's actually happening i'm just going to tell you that it's not i'm not going to stop yeah and that's like the number one contributor to why we can't stop this is because we can't get everybody on board but that's what by and large is basically doing to its people and (laughs) Wally is making this sort of Uh, pick a side pick a side pick me like no this isn't as big of a deal as you think it is it like we're taking care of it don't you worry about it keep buying big and large like you want it Mm -hmm. come get it it's not our fault but like at the end of the day it's like this was our fault Uh, and we need (laughs) to hide that from people
0: i mean not to bring in a an actual company here but there's a particular petroleum company that says Hey, you should, uh, you should be greener. Like they, they advertise this stuff like, Hey, Hey, uh, save our oceans
1: or whatever. Right.
0: (laughs) Maybe instead of driving places, you should take the bus or ride your bike. (laughs) Oh yeah. That'll make a dent. What are you guys doing again? (laughs) Producing all the oil? That's right. That's what you're doing. (laughs) But
1: (laughs) I don't support Elon Musk in most cases because he's (laughs) rich uh and that's basically it um (laughs) he's a bond
0: villain that's how it is
1: (laughs) he's a bond villain and that's it but he is leading the way in like electric cars which is a huge step in the right direction Mm -hmm. even though the batteries are still like technically not great for the environment (laughs) the impact that it has against the carbon footprint that we have is almost worth the sort of shit that is caused by these batteries production um like there's still pollution for sure but it's not as much and you have to give the man credit there.
2: Yeah, if there's one thing that Elon Musk is very good at, it's marketing. Like, he turned electric cars from a, like, soft boy gimmick <laughs> to a, like, luxury item, a he status He turned it symbol. in, it's
1: the future. He is... He is leading the future? way into technology of the future. He is leading the way into colonizing Mars. He's leading the way into a bunch of different stuff. He created the boring company that literally was leading the way into the future of teleportation, or, like, not teleportation, but transportation uh, through use of, yeah. like, high-speed tubes and stuff. And through that, he's marketed his car as the car of the future. I mean, it looks like the car of right. the future.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and I mean, like, the the biggest thing about it, though, is, is like, People wouldn't buy a Tesla if it looked like a smart car. No. Yeah, like he he turned electric cars from a Prius slash smart car slash Volt or whatever into something that is on par with, like the in the same market as something like a Mercedes Benz. Uh, he made like it sexy. It look at look yeah. at the yeah.
0: initials of like the. That's
2: that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. Look if at, you if you want people to buy in, make it sexy. Yeah,
0: yeah. literally, like the initials of what do you have? Model S. Model 3, which could be perceived as an E, the mm-hmm. Model X, and the Model Y. Sexy. Yep. Yep. The Elon code. I just solved it, you guys. You're welcome.
1: That's that's next level.
0: <laughs> Put on your tinfoil hats, folks. <laughs> Elon Musk is trying to sell sex.
1: <laughs> hey, what's that red dot on your head,
0: Nick? What? <laughs> <laughs> that's a sniper across the way. You know, Okay. The usual. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> Let's let's kind of uh, dissect this film a little more, if, if that's even possible at this point. But there's a there's a theme that's kind of woven throughout this movie, and it's the theme of nostalgia. It's kind of a central theme. Uh, oh yeah, it's not one that comes up often enough, but it can be noted. Um, it's kind of evidenced by Wally constantly watching this screen of the of the play Hello Dolly. Um, he kind of longs for this past that he never experienced, which he kind of remembers, maybe he remembers a time when humans were roaming the earth. Um, Really, it's kind of a logical leaf to uh, assume that a robot even has human emotions, but it's shown that he's kind of using this as a coping mechanism for the forlorn landscape that's around him. Um, It's kind of escapism in a way, but if you were in that situation, I bet you would be nostalgic too after 700 years of being alone. Um, And even myself personally, I mean, I'm a pretty nostalgic person. I like to imagine myself Like in the early 1900s when Hello Dolly the Play was set (laughs) riding on a train. Um, But, I mean, the the antidote to all this is like we have to be pragmatic about our surroundings and what we got around us. Like we can't go back in the past as much as I'm sure that I'd like to, but uh, we got to work with what we got. Yeah, there's CO2 in the atmosphere, but we got to start taking steps to cut back and ride our bike instead of taking the car and all that other stuff. Really? What I think should happen is we should be protesting Big Oil, <laughs> taking up arms. No, no, no. I'm just kidding. Um, so let's let's go back in time. Speaking of nostalgia, to the world in 2008, um, it was it was a late 90s idea that was developed. It was in development hell after Toy Story. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if I should call it development hell, but basically they were trying to. Uh, get CGI to a point where they could make a believable character out of a robot. Like Just think about that right off the bat. Because um, it, it's coming out of this era where robots are these clunky things. The robot dance, for instance, where you're like... <laughs> 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 very stiff, very yeah. rigid. And that was kind of where CGI was in, at the late, late 90s. So um, there's that there's the titular question of what if mankind had left earth and somebody forgot to turn off the last robot. So there you go. There's the premise of the film. And really 2008 was as soon as they could release it. I mean, that's as soon (laughs) as, as soon as you can release anything, that's when you're going to make it right. What I'm trying to say is that any art that comes out of a particular time is influenced by the time in which it was created. I mean, we can all agree on that. So there was, uh, In 2008, there was a subcrime mortgage crisis. There was little Nick graduating from junior high school, but I don't think there was really anything significant from 2008 that could have made this film come to fruition. And I'm really grasping at straws here. What what do you guys think that was there something that was big that was happening back then that said, all right, we need to make Wally," Or was it just like, oh, we just pushed it out. Like, I don't really know. Uh,
1: 2008 is sort of a weird place to look for inspiration for a movie that came out in 2008 <laughs> because that movie probably took like two or three years to make. Oh, yeah. I would mm-hmm. say look back to 2006 or maybe even 2005 um, to kind of explore what was going on. The top 10 news stories of 2006 were... Um, there was a train bombing. Oh, wow. um, there was a beached whale that uh that kind of washed up in london pluto was degraded from a planet
0: oh i remember that Whew. borat film
1: came out
0: very
1: nice yeah <laughs> nothing really uh to inspire the bird flu no, i mean was going on probably
2: yeah probably just like a combination of like the world as a whole for like the 10 years before that yeah like, like i said
1: like, global warming's been like a new like we've been new yeah <laughs>
2: we've been new
0: <laughs> the global warming
2: yeah we've been new it
0: when did uh al gore's the inconvenient truth came out because that's that's like the film that oh yeah that's, that's that a, that's might have that been around
2: 2006 2006 oh. look at that <laughs> what? <We did> it. <laughs> oh my god we're like
1: we're like secret wow we're we're so man tinfoil hat time baby tinfoil hat <laughs> time over here to entertain this
0: <laughs> yeah um so let's let's get to the symbolism of all this uh I've discussed it a little bit, you know, with Eve and the Bible and Noah and the Ark and all that, but um, we've already kind of examined the relationship between capitalism, which is our predominant economic system here in the U.S., and I guess around the world, too. um, But is there any way that we can kind of have this pursuit of money and pursue the green planet at the same time? I really don't think so. Because I mean, Elon Musk is doing it. Somehow he's found a way to do it. Like really, um, I wasn't thinking of Elon Musk when I, when I wrote this, but yeah, Elon Musk has found a way to monetize the green movement. Um, I think
1: mm-hmm. the best way you can do it is to sell it as a lifestyle instead of a movement.
0: Lifestyle. Because yeah, a lot
1: mm-hmm. of, a lot of our generation, especially the ones who are like in their mid twenties right now and are like on the verge of taking over the world. Like we're the next generation, we're the future that they planned for or whatever i'm trying a lot of us are living in like more sustainable housing we're living with like we there's been a huge movement for like reusable water bottles as being like a Mm -hmm. personality trait like you display your personality (laughs) instead of like on your mac in the fucking late 2000s to uh -hmm. being like you put stickers on your water bottle. You carry around a hydro flask. People <laughs> carry around those giant like three gallon water bottles. They're like, I drank this whole thing three times today. It's like, that's in, that's seen. incredible.
0: You got to stop that.
2: Um, <laughs> it's concerning at that point.
1: <laughs> but it's stuff like that. Stuff like uh, biking to work becoming trendy in like a lot of younger and um, a lot of uh, younger generations. The work from home movement is making emissions a little bit lower because there's not as much like cars out on the road. Commuting is um, stupid. I'll say commuting is stupid. You're right, especially today. Um, (laughs) But our generation is leading the way into a greener lifestyle. Um, And to be fair, corporations are picking up on that. It's not so much corporations selling green to us. It's us telling corporations green is what we want. We want to buy products Mm -hmm. that are sustainable and that are um, organic and that are ethically produced and. All that that's that's what we want as consumers so companies are leaning into that practice because they know that that sells mm-hmm. we we've proven to them that we want we would pay more for things that are ethically produced than we would for things that are unethically produced and that even so, we would go so far as to boycott um certain companies that aren't producing things ethically and we will tell them like no we don't want it anymore the the stuff you're doing if you're going to keep doing it we're not going to buy your shit like one of the huge companies for that is uh Nestle Nestle's <laughs> led the way in <laughs> we hate corporation Nestle. isn't that crazy though that like the three of us three 20 year olds like in our mid 20s we know that as a corporation Nestle the Nestle corporation is shitty. Like we know that. That's just like common knowledge. Our whole generation knows. Like, don't buy Nestle. Nestle's shitty, and they do shitty things. Like, um, they're unethical in their production, and because of that, we don't want them. And companies understand and are moving further towards becoming ethical just to sell their products. That's how you. That's how you force capitalism to work for you is to <laughs> only buy the products and support the things that you want to see succeed.
0: I think a lot of that is like, like we said on the, uh, the more magazine episode is voting with your wallet. Um, Mm -hmm. the democratization of capitalism, if you want to put like a academic name on it, but, uh, yeah, I think that the moment we monetize our resources, it's kind of like this deal with the devil. Um, and I think now we're kind of realizing that like, Hey, we can kind of monetize being green. So I think the, Maybe we're, we're like by and large towards the end of the uh, 21st century where we're trying to clean things up real quick, but maybe it's a little too, little too late. I don't know. We'll have to see what the next hundred years uh, ends up with. But, um, if you think about it in 2008 or around that time period, there was a big push for recycling. And I think that maybe if Wally's world had recycled, they wouldn't have had mountains of garbage, just saying. Cause I mean, look around you, a lot of things can be recycled not to be Mr. Greenpeace over here, but <laughs> plastic can't be recycled, okay? Metal, aluminum, a hundred percent. Recyclable, glass too. But um, that's
1: the problem, is that and it's sort of interesting when you watch like uh the movie It's a Wonderful Life, you're like, Well, that movie's not like that old. <laughs> like it's old, but it's still relevant. So it's I think uh I'm not exactly sure what year it came out, but it was probably around the nineteen forties, nineteen fifties. Yeah. Um in it's a wonderful life he talks about getting in on the ground floor of plastic like that's Uh that's that's the deal that he didn't make was that he didn't want to get in on the ground floor of plastic so plastic hasn't been around that long no
0: it hasn't Mm. i think in the i want to say late 40s is when like this the first commercially successful plastic was out there because it was first like bakelite or something like that. But yeah later on you get like polyethylene, polyvinyl chloride, all this other stuff. And then it's super useful and super viable, but it <laughs> doesn't <Right>. break down. <laughs> at Unfortunately
1: all. now and th- and that's kind of the point they're making it's a wonderful life, because plastic was such a safe bet. Everything is made out of plastic. Everything. Like It is nearly impossible. I would challenge anybody who listens to our podcast to try to spend a day without touching something made of plastic. (laughs) It is. It's impossible. Um, You can you can try it and I would love to hear how far you guys get. But eventually you're going to have to touch something plastic because so much of (laughs) there you go. Like so much of our life is based on plastic at this point and I mean, that's that's why global warming has kind of become such an issue is because plastic is so uh, irreputably created like you can't destroy it, you know?
0: No, it just kind of piles up and you can't do anything about it except for compact it, make it really small and squish it away somewhere else. So um, I
1: kind of think of it as a. Uh, the pretty patty episode of Spongebob. <laughs> okay. It's like, now what are you going to do with all this money? Well, we tried burning it and then we tried, <laughs> we tried burying it. it. And finally we just decided to give it all away. It's like, it's like that, but plastic is something that people don't want. So how are we going <laughs> to give it away?
0: Reduce, reuse, recycle. That's the, that's the triangle that we should all remember here. So, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe we're looking too deep into this movie. Um, uh, but maybe it's a comment on consumerism too. Like we're obsessed with the new, we're obsessed with the now, we're obsessed with the new iPhone, we're obsessed with Eve. (laughs) Um, But the problem is that you have to do something with the old when you get the new, right? What do you do with your old cell phone? I sure hope you don't throw it away in the regular trash. You have to go to a recycling program to get that done. But um, most
1: people just keep it and then it ends up getting thrown away in the regular trash later on.
0: I make a little museum for my phones. Do you guys do this?
1: I used to yeah I know exactly what you mean like yeah. I have my phones like all set up like here's the evolution of the phones I've had
2: someday i Yeah, got a drawer that I put them in that eventually they make their way into a closet that I forget about at my parents house <laughs> yeah. love that
1: yeah. you get a little yeah. shadow box and do like an evolution mm. of Michael's phones
2: <laughs> yeah I think I think I still have at my parents house my original iPhone wow
1: oh i for yeah. sure have mine i know that still turns i have my on very anything, my very first iphone <laughs> mine does not no <laughs>
0: oof
2: But yeah oh you know what no i definitely have my first ever jailbroken ipod touch Ooh, jailbroken, yeah. ooh, ooh. i wish yeah. i could
1: find mine because i <laughs> used to have mine somewhere
2: yeah i jailbroke it because i wanted to play doodle jump but my parents wouldn't let me buy anything with their credit card <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> oh my god. Moments of levity. We all thought we
0: were hackers back then when we Joe broke an iPod. Remember that?
2: <laughs> Little did I know. That was my first introduction to like any sort of coding ever. Yeah.
0: I never had it. Well, I,
2: that yeah, was, I did.
1: Yeah, I did. That was my first introduction into bricking a laptop.
2: <laughs> mine was LimeWire. <laughs>
0: Limewire puts so much shit on your computer. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> but Dude, anyways, yeah. uh, it's it's interesting that this is uh, the opening shot of the movie opens with like North America and because it's it's the globe, it's earth floating in space. And then you have the sun shining on only North America because that's, you know, realistic. And it's really about this film is about the United States, if anything else, really. Um, but it's kind of a wake up call directed towards us. And the, there's a cynical side of me that thinking that. Yeah, the U.S. is going to be fine after climate change has taken its uh, effects, but it's not going to be fun for us. But we will survive. Uh, the rest of the world, underdeveloped countries, maybe not so much. Just, just being honest there. But um, hell, even if the if we, if we examine like the the corporate colors of by and large, in the first place, further referencing the Americanness of this film, it's red, white, and blue, right? By and large. Just I don't know. It's it, it's something the true American experience. It just has so much to say um, about like consumerism and throwing stuff away, and just that's just half of the battle um, to make room for the new and shiny, of course. But uh, I don't know. Perhaps Brian large is a is a reference to Costco and Sam's Club, Sam's Club and bulk stores like that where you can buy in large quantities. But I don't know. Maybe it's just part of the. Michael's flexing his Nike uh, stuff, and I don't, I don't appreciate
2: it. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't buy into any large companies and Homer for them. No. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Pull up
0: my colors here. Entertain this. Okay. Um, one more reference. One more symbolism here. Uh, of standing up. Think about it. All these people are in chairs. They're they're rather large at this point because they've been sitting in them for extended hours, but. One of the first challenges you have as a small human being is using those two appendages below your waist to stand up. And when all the passengers on the ship are knocked out of their hover chairs, when they don't have the screens in front of their faces, they learn how to stand again. They learn how to walk, take action. It's symbolic because they're taking a stand against complacency. They aren't going to take it anymore, and they're willing to change their posture to show it. And they actually take some sort of action by uh, hoisting the plant doing a Hail Mary pass into the into the tube that holds the plant and makes the autopilot do its thing. But um, there's something to be said about nonverbal communication throughout the film, I'd say, because, yeah, the people are acting as as humans would, but you also have the robots that are acting a lot like humans. And that's really a, a pat on the back to the animators at the time uh, who have rumored to have been watching Buster Keaton, uh, Charlie Chaplin, you know, like the early silent films where they used a lot of slapstick style of comedy and they moved around really animated and stuff. Um, But that's how communicate communication works with just our bodies. Think about it. If you couldn't talk, what would you do? You'd mime things out. That's kind of what Wally does throughout the film. So I think it was very successful in that um, throughout like the first 15 minutes, there's very little dialogue. Part of that is because Wally doesn't have to talk to anyone except for his cockroach friend, but you kind of know what they're communicating without them using actual words uh, so nonverbal communication, a very big part of this film. You guys ready for a conclusion?
1: Let's wrap this thing up.
0: I've been talking for too long. Let's let's get into it. So in conclusion, given our dire circumstances on this planet, we, uh, we should make the planet better than when we found it. That's like what the Boy Scouts do, I think. Um, and how do we do that? With love, of course. Love for your fellow humans. Love for our lovely green planet that we all call home. And I thought, that this love, we can stop <laughs> Alex should get out of lighter, he's rocking back and forth. Um, <laughs> we can stop being acerbic towards our Earth, and we can start living in harmony with this rock that we call home, floating through space. We can stop being parasites on the back of a green furry beast and start being the good bacteria that will help it be better. Through the power of love for our planet, we can learn to stop being capital-producing robots and start being lovers. That we're all meant to be in our hearts. Because that's the heart of this film. Love conquering all of life's basic programming. No matter what your directive is, you can override that and make a sacrifice for your fellow man. So, go watch Wally. It's a cute little Pixar movie with a powerful underlying message. And entertain that. Hmm.
2: So, you're saying I should go watch it?
0: You should maybe go watch it if you feel like doing so. Okay. I'd recommend it. (laughs) For what it's worth it's a good movie it's a good film Okay, it's a good movie um uh,
1: we've gotten to that point in our show where we're gonna close out with a quick this uh, last week we did the um spider-man debates and for anyone who's been a long time uh listener of our show i'm sure that you already know that that was at my behest and that uh, these two are held hostage to my whims on weeks <laughs> like those it's so, true. so uh <laughs> i will be taking the stance on our quick this this week and boy howdy do i have a doozy as soon as we have our timer up i will begin a quick oh, reminder shit. to any new listeners out there the quick segment is a segment of our show where we talk about something for five minutes we have five minutes to discuss a topic that we don't think we can make a full episode out of so instead we force a speed run of the topic uh, both my boys here have timers up um so whoever wants to start we will begin
2: Three, two one go
1: hey guys what's up uh so i want to talk today about a sort of a conspiracy so put your tinfoil hats on we're talking about this is alex's conspiracy corner place <laughs> them on your head and get ready so a while ago um well first let's get into some context do you guys know who mr beast is
0: he's a, yeah, he's a hype burgers. man yeah
1: yeah, so B, Mr. Beast is kind of a hype man. He's known he's most famous for giving away a shit ton of money. I don't know what he did to earn all that money. I'm sure that he did something, but <laughs> it's ask. not something that like I know. <laughs> what I do know is that he had like the app where you had to keep your finger on it, and then whoever like kept their finger on it the longest got like a lot of money. And uh he also does this like with his friends and stuff. Anyway, he's okay. a hype man. Okay. You're you're completely right. So one thing that he did to try and raise hype was he opened a restaurant called Mr. Beast Burger. Um <laughs> Mr. Beast Burger is a it started out as a restaurant in Wilson, North Carolina, Um, and basically it was completely free. You walked in and you just got food. It was the very first ever free restaurant Hmm. and it was a huge hit. Um, That's the entertainment portion of this. Entertainment sort of plays into these trends where people want to experience things live. They want live entertainment. And for some people, eating at this restaurant was live entertainment. Um, its success was so prevalent that Mr. Beast Burger opened restaurants all over the country, including near us. Oh, um, mm-hmm. Michael knows this because him and I have shared a Mr. Beast Burger together before. Oh, yes. uh, but- was it for free? It was not. You do have to pay for it at these restaurants. But what Michael may not have known was whenever I shared my Mr. Beast Burger with him, it actually was not my first Mr. Beast Burger. My Mm. first Mr. Beast Burger was about a month prior to that when uh, another friend of the show, Nick Wolf, and I decided that we were going to go and experience Mr. Beast Burger for the first time. Now, we all saw the videos of what the restaurant looked like in Wilson. So it was sort of a McDonald's parody, but painted in the Mr. Beast fashion of like neons and purples and yellows and all that. You can watch the video. I'm sure it's on his YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um so we're expecting that. So the restaurant had locations and we drove to two of them and I'm not trying to dox us, so I'm not going to say which two, but <laughs> basically once we got there, the restaurant was nowhere to be found. We're like, what the hell? Like where is this restaurant at? It says it's supposed to be here. It says it's supposed to be there. It wasn't either location. What was at both locations though were five guys' burgers and fries. Oh, yeah. We were like, what the hell? So finally, we figure out that it's delivery only for places around here. You have to order it. It has to be delivered to you. But once we delivered it, our Uber driver would pick it up from what looked to be a Five Guys Burgers and Fries. We're like, so is it just five guys? Like, is Mr. Beast Burger just five guys? But if you go into a Five Guys and you ask them like, hey, can I get the Mr. Beast Burger? They're like, sorry, we don't serve that. Even though... It seems like those are the places that are making them. So it's one of two things. Either Mr. Beast Burger doesn't exist and it just appears out of nowhere but happens to appear at a portal that only appears at Five Guys, Burgers, and Fries (laughs) or Five Guys, Burgers, and Fries houses the Mr. Beast Burgers. Um, And that was kind of the end of that conspiracy until I heard about uh, Guy Fieri's Flavortown Kitchen.
0: Oh yeah. Mm,
1: Yeah. Which is another delivery-only restaurant. And we all love Flavortown, and Guy Fieri uh-huh. is a staple in the food entertainment industry with his diners, oh. dive-ins, and drives. Cool guy, too. Um, he's also just a cool guy, and apparently his cooking's really great, so I wanted to try it. Um, when you order from him, I noticed, after ordering on Uber from uh, Flavortown Kitchen, it was coming from, uh, I'll just say, the Levy, because you guys will know what that means. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which was the same place that the Mr. Beast burger was delivered from. Mm, and I was like, minute. hold on. So I go on the five so I go on the Flavortown website and I look at the locations, and they're all lining up with locations from Five Guys' Burgers and Fries. Huh. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Do any of these places have real kitchens? I can't tell. After a little bit of research, I happened upon a term called a ghost kitchen. And Ooh. I want to talk to you guys about it. It sounds spooky, but it's not. It's also known as a delivery-only restaurant, a virtual kitchen, a shadow kitchen, a commissionary kitchen, a cloud kitchen, or a dark kitchen. Um, and it is known as a professional food preparation and cooking facility set up for the preparation of delivery-only meals. Some ghost kitchens allow takeout meals, including uh, drive throughs They do not include storefronts or indoor seating for customers. Ghost kitchens differ from virtual restaurants and a ghost kitchen is a restaurant brand itself and contained in a kitchen space with a facility and more than one restaurant brand, so on and so forth, which I found interesting. But what I found more interesting was after going to Mr. Beast Burger and scrolling uh, all the way down on the main page of his website, on the Mr. Beast Burger website, there is now, where there wasn't before, an article uh, that says, Bring Mr. Beast Burger to your restaurant. It says, Attention restaurant owners, add Mr. Beast Burger to your existing restaurant's kitchen. Mr. Beast Burger is a virtual brand which we noticed from the ghost kitchen definition, offering a separate concept to run out of your kitchen, available for deliveries only via food delivery services. So I finally cracked the, uh, the ongoing question of where the hell is Mr. Beast Burger? And the answer is, like God, Mr. Beast Burger is among us. It is all around <laughs> us.
2: <laughs> Mr. Beast Burger is within every single one of us. And so too is <laughs> Flav-
1: Guy Fieri's Flavortown Kitchen. These two entertainment mm. icons, quote unquote, have set up these ghost kitchens that are sort of parasitical inside of these restaurants and maybe aren't doing great for business. Um, it's sort of a symbiotic relationship mm-hmm. because they use these sort of restaurants that aren't doing great, and they bring them customers by uh, offering these quote-unquote food experiences. Everybody wants to eat Guy Fieri's meal. Everybody wants to talk about Mr. Beast and eat the Mr. Beast burger to be like, look at how trendy I am. Everybody wants this. So Five Guys is making money off the burger purchases and kicking a little back to these brands, but these brands are locating themselves in basically whatever kitchen will take them, and then they don't tell the public, they don't tell the people, hey, we're actually just this restaurant. They go, no, we're our own thing. We're a ghost kitchen. This concept blew my freaking brain. So hmm. I wanted to share with you guys. It's entertainment adjacent, which is what I feel like quick. This is all about. Um, and, and that's all I got. What do you guys think?
2: I want some you burgers know, now. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I, I, th- think. I think I think the theory like it all holds water. It's it's yeah no i so for me i wasn't ever really concerned about like where it was coming from just like that's worrisome (laughs) don't worry about it
0: it's food put it in your food
2: hole i mean like (laughs) it was one of those things like when i got it like hey is my cheese on my grilled cheese still actually on the bun or is it like connected to strictly just the wrapping like how most mcdonald's burgers are (laughs) oh um yeah, that's that for me is my main concern. <laughs> hell
0: I can make it a McDonald's. I don't care.
2: <laughs> you I mean can tell it's, if Guy
0: Fieri made it, I'll be like, all right, it's going in the food bowl. It's,
1: <laughs> it's one hell of a marketing concept. Oh, and for sure. and yeah, it's we're great. seeing we're seeing a lot of name brand quote unquote food establishments using it as well, especially McDonald's using their like limited time, get your uh, fucking little little boat, uh <laughs> <laughs> little yachty meal. Come get your like whatever. Yeah, like, bands are now like, hey, come and get this meal from McDonald's, sponsored by us, like, this is what we eat from McDonald's, because <laughs> we totally eat lean? McDonald's. <laughs> like, that stuff is completely real, uh, just kind of partnering up with people from the entertainment industry.
0: That's crazy, I like that. I, I want some Guy Fieri, uh, what'd you call it, Flavortown Kitchen? It's
1: it's called Flavortown Kitchen, they have a Cuban sandwich that I had, it was delicious. Ooh. oh. They also have a mac and cheeseburger, which is like crazy good. It's always but good, yeah. The, the most seductive item on his menu that I desperately want to try and haven't yet is the Philly cheesesteak egg rolls.
0: Whoa. Whoa. Excuse me. Guy Fury, you madman. I haven't tried them yet,
1: <laughs> but they sound so good. Yeah. So, you know, get yourself some some flavor town. Uh help support these ghost kitchens I guess if you want I don't know if they count as small businesses probably not (laughs) it's whatever anyway that's another week uh that's another episode down boys we're we're quickly approaching our 100th episode if you haven't if you haven't noticed oh snap um yeah we are currently on episode 79 of the podcast which is crazy because I mean let's let's all be completely transparent here the first week we did this we almost didn't do a second episode (laughs) (laughs) nope (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, but, but we, we pushed through and we're quickly approaching our 100th episode. It's been an absolute pleasure to do this show with you guys. And I hope to continue doing it for a long time. Um, as always, we're constantly looking for suggestions on things that we can cover on entertain this. This is a show encapsulating all things entertainment. And I think it also acts as sort of a time capsule for all things entertainment. Um, so that maybe one day we can listen back. I look forward to the day that, uh, our, our collective Three the three how do I say this without sounding weird? The three of us will have kids with separate women It will not be the three of our child we the three of us will not have a child, but we will have.
2: The three of us will have our own families. Thank you. The three of us Uh, will have one baby (laughs) and it will come down to the sky on a cloud. But I
1: look forward forward to them listening to this podcast and listening to the things that we enjoy and experiencing entertainment, as well as our listeners who do that on a weekly basis. I'm glad that we can do that for them. Mm -hmm. But as always, we're looking for things to encapsulate. We're looking for suggestions, what you guys like in the entertainment world so that we can cover it here and it can be included in this time capsule that we're building. so if you have suggestions, there are a couple ways that you can do that. You can email us at entertainthispodcast at gmail.com. There's also a little uh survey that you can fill out on our website if you scroll all the way to the bottom of the page on entertainthis.net, uh you can fill out that survey and it shoots us a little email with your suggestion that's another great way to do it there are also a couple of different ways that you can reach out to us you can reach out to us on our uh instagram we are entertain this podcast or on twitter we are entertain underscore this we also have a facebook page where i think we are podcasts entertain this you can join that for weekly discussions on the episodes that we cover a little added bonus that i haven't said but i always think to say later on the week so i'm finally gonna say it on the podcast um if you guys want to you can go on to uh, apple podcasts and leave a review for our podcast mm. uh we always appreciate your guys's feedback give us a review tell us what you like tell us what you didn't like tell us what we can change what we can do better what you like what we what we do already that you really enjoy um those ratings are uh so important and they will help us gather more listeners and build this community that we're trying to build um so please feel free to do that and we also have a YouTube that you can subscribe to it's Entertain This on YouTube with an ellipses the three dots Uh, you'll find us there and we post all of our video episodes there Um, that's it for me Uh, and our sign off it was a little bit longer this week but there's a (laughs) lot of information to get out there that I figure we should be spreading Um, so as always entertain us so we can entertain you and you and entertain this we'll see you all next friday
0: see ya bye, bye. bye. See. Ya. this episode of entertain this was written by me nick Mustakangis, with additional commentary from alex Steele and michael savoya our showrunner and resident fact checker is chloe price our theme music is rushable by aaron spencer with interstitial music by djw tune in every friday for new episodes and thanks for listening